internet We love a chat, we love to help and that's a fact So we have made it our mission to find stuff out From diagnosis and education Slimming out of your frustration Chat to folks who've been there too Collect it together and share it with you If you know someone we should speak to Send them our way and that's what we'll do We like to have our sensory natter You know what? Hi everyone, it's Jenny here, joined by Lorraine this week, and as promised, um, on this week's Sensory Matters, we are going to chat to Lorraine about her late-in-life adult diagnosis, um, and the journey that she's been through, and also um, the fact that her son has also been diagnosed. So, um, what I find fascinating about this is how long have we been working together? Was it 2010? Yes. Or 2011? It was either late 2010 or 2011. So, we're talking nearly nine years. Yeah. Um, so, when I met Lorraine, Lorraine was mum to Jamie, still is mum to Jamie. Um, and this kind of idea of you being autistic wasn't even in your head at the time. No, not at all. So, I think... Yeah, how, I mean, when, I suppose, over that nine-year period did it first dawn on you that, hang on a minute, I might be? Well, I don't know if you can remember, but a couple of times that we've been at the autism show, I said things like, you know, I think I could be on the spectrum. Yes. When we've been having a drink in the bar. Yes. Um, it didn't, didn't happen at first because, obviously, I was more interested in getting Jamie diagnosed, and I didn't understand autism that yeah. well. So... I think it was when I started to really get to understand more about autism, I started to see myself in Jamie. I started to see myself in things that I was reading about. And I thought, hang on a second, maybe. And then I'd been considering it for a while. I'd been making notes of, of my traits. And something that Autistic Genius said was, where there's an autistic kid, there's an autistic parent. And that just... I don't know something about that. I thought, do you know what? I think I need to pursue this more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, do do you remember a moment particularly where you thought, I definitely need to pursue this? I had lots of things where I thought, do I need a diagnosis? Does it matter if I have a diagnosis? What What am I going to benefit from getting a diagnosis? Because there's a lot of people that self-identify as autistic. But I just something inside me said I, I needed to know for definite. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and so those early kind of years where you were saying, oh, I might be on the spectrum, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you think that was almost like you exercising that thought to get it to the point where you had the confidence to go for it? Yeah, definitely. It's like almost testing the water. Yeah. And I think I think you do need to test the water because it's a very scary thing to do. Because mm -hmm. people have known you for your whole life and they see you as one person, but actually they don't know that you're a completely different person because of yeah. all the masking and things. So I was scared that people would say, oh, she's talking rubbish, she's not like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it took a, a lot of time to be confident enough to want to do it. Yes. So you must have had to do a kind of risk-benefit assessment, although maybe not as obvious as that. So if we take the risks, what, what things really scared you? So you were scared about what people might think, whether it was, I guess, believable because they see Lorraine, the, the mask, 
Um, what what else was worrying you about going for it? Um, I was quite worried about Chewy Gem, to be honest, because right. I, I didn't want people to think because I worked at Chewy Gem, I was then trying to get myself into that community properly, if that makes sense. Yeah. I thought people might judge me and, and think, oh, she's just doing that. Yeah. So that really scared me. Okay. But then I met Anything quite a lot. Else? I ended up meet, meeting loads of people through Chewy Gem who said, uh, yeah, you definitely are. So that <laughs> gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of people about family. Well, that's it. There's a lot of people throughout my life that I think would say, oh, no, I can't say that. But actually, I was just talking to my mum the other day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I've had what I now know has been a meltdown, mm-hmm. um, it, it's so explainable. Where before I thought I was a horrible person when I've done certain things. Yeah. When I look back over my life, there's there's a reason for it. Yeah. Okay. And what about, what, what was exciting you about possibly getting a diagnosis? What were the benefits that you could see? Um, one, it was just because Jamie's diagnosed, and she's always said that I am. Mm-hmm. We've, got a, we've got an understanding. It's the same with Joe. At the moment, in our house, it's like a three-quarter divide. So Dean has to meet all of our needs separately because we all, we're all different. Yeah. And we're like a little club. So it's kind of nice to to fit in. Yes, yeah. And I guess relate and understand each other and know that you understand each other properly because you're all coming from the same place. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would be able to parent neurotypical children. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really, like, I see all these kids and I, I think I'm I'm kind of glad that my kids are autistic because I understand them. Yeah. And I know what I'm doing, but I'm not sure I would know what to do with a neurotypical child. <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. interesting. Okay, so we'll, we'll delve into exactly the, the journey of the diagnosis in a minute, but having got there, were any of those, have any of those fears been realised? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got loads of welcome to the club messages, which was really, really nice. Right. Because a lot of people have told me that they they can, you can tell. Apparently, if you're autistic, you can tell if someone else is autistic. So lots of people had already told me that I definitely was and you yeah. know, needed to do it for myself. So I had loads of really nice messages. Um, but I did have a couple of people that were like, oh, no, well, I can't really see that. Yeah. And how did you handle that when people said that to you? I kind of... I wanted to explode because I felt really upset, but I had to take a step back and think, well, they don't understand autism as I understand it. I've got a massive understanding of autism because of what I do. Yeah. And other people won't understand that. So I I, I had the, oh, well, you must be very mild because you don't display like this person. And that's the thing for, for me and Joe uh, and Jamie. Jamie has really bad sensory processing difficulties. And that is what causes Jamie's major issues. Yeah. People will look at Jamie and think that's what autism looks like. Yeah, that's all the stuff that's visible, isn't it? Yeah, and that's not what autism look, looks like because her difficulties are more sensory processing. Yeah. So people, yeah, that makes uh, sense. yeah. So me and Joe get compared to Jamie, 
and they think, oh, well, no, well, you two can't be because that's what she's like and you're nothing like that. Yeah. Where when you take away the sensory processing and you just look at the three of us as autistic, we are very, very similar. Yeah. There was a great quote or, or meme, I can't say that, meme, 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 that's it, um, or whatever that I saw on a page a couple of weeks ago, which I thought was really bang on point. And I'm sure it's figs, actually, um, that, that displayed it. And it said, um, there's no such thing as mild autism. It's about how you, you're experiencing their autism mildly. Think of how much control and how much work has gone in for you to... It, it doesn't change how they experience the world. It changes how the receiver experiences them because they've worked harder. I can't, it, it was much more succinct than that. It was a yeah, beautiful I've, quote. But. I've seen it. I know the one you mean. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. Okay. Um, all right. So what? It's how long ago did you actually start the process? Um, well, I was looking at my notes because what I started first was the notes in my phone. So I started to note down my traits. That was in June 2017. Okay. So I, I'd thought about it long before that. That was when I made the decision that I would actually start to, to list the things so that I had some sort of evidence. I went to the GP last, not last April, the April before. I'm trying to think now. No, it must have been last April, April 2018. And okay. that, that was when I was told I couldn't be autistic and they weren't going to refer me because I was a female, I showed empathy, I could hold down a job, I had a relationship and I could interact with my children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did that make you feel when you first heard that? I went into a dark place, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it was horrible. Something just clicked inside and I went into a really dark place. Because I thought, and, and actually I, I know that this to be true now, that a lot of my mental health problems are because I didn't know I was autistic. Yeah. And now that I know I'm autistic, it makes things easier. So I think because my mental health was quite bad at the time, and I felt like this was, I was like thinking this is within my grasp, this is going to help me so much, and then for the GP to say that, I was just devastated. Yeah. Okay. So how, how was that then left, and what happened next? Um, so I've got a very good friend that I met, met through Chewy Gem, Helen. Yeah. She, yeah. she was fuming when I, because I, I rang her. I don't know yeah. if we do phone calls, but occasionally we'll ring each other if it's something that we can't text about. And mm -hmm. I told her what had happened and I was in tears. And she rang the Cumbria Adult Autism Assessment Team to come right. to Um, He was amazing. And then she rang me back and told me that I, I could self-refer and that they'd apologised, they were really sorry for my experience. And in the end, I couldn't self-refer, but I went back to the GP, a different GP. Right. Um, and I got my referral. Okay. And did you ever highlight to the surgery that GP's yes. lack of understanding? Yes, I put a complaint in after that appointment. Right. Um, which is the only reason I feel that I actually got my next referral, because I still think that... GP's knowledge of autism, especially in adults and female adults in particular, is, is very limited. So I think if I'd have seen another GP, it maybe wouldn't have been the same experience, but I'm not sure I would have been referred as easily. I think it's because that happened and I complained, they felt they had to refer me. Yeah, okay. Um, so you then obviously got referred, so who did you see next? Um, so I just waited for ages then. Um, 
I think so from that was that would have been May that the referral went in. So I've waited for a year and what are we in July? So it's it's not been that long. Um I was gonna say that that from two thousand seventeen to two thousand nineteen you from when you first had the thought yeah. it's two years. And from when you it just first feels, did something about it. I think it feels ages because you're in limbo for so long. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. So I like I, And it is a long time. It is a long time, but versus some of the other people that I've spoken to, it's not. Yeah. And people kept saying to me, oh, when are you going to get your assessment? And I was like, well, I don't know. So I started to ring them up and they were like, yeah, you're at the top of our list, but we've got nobody diagnosing adults at the moment. Right. Um, so something had happened with the service and they'd lost staff. And then I was just going to Weatherspoons with Jamie and my phone rang and I don't answer phone calls. Mm-hmm. And I was about to decline it. And I noticed the area code was the place that my referral went into. And I just thought, hang on a second, I think this could be my autism assessment. So I answered it and it was, and that I think was like a Wednesday and he asked to see me on the Friday. So I was like, yeah, right. definitely. So I saw a psychologist in Carlisle. Uh, and what did they do at that appointment? Uh, well, I'd sent a lot of supported evidence in with my initial referral. So I'd sent in all of my notes. Um, I'd done online tests. So I sent in quite a lot of stuff with that. And when I met him, the first thing he said to me was, I'm not going to look at you because I know autistic people struggle with eye contact. Oh. I was like, that's great. I said, because I don't, I don't not do eye contact. I do too much eye contact. Mm. And so you might think I'm a bit weird because I'll just stare at you. <laughs> I don't know when to break away, so I just look. <laughs> so yeah. that's quite reassuring that I could then do what I wanted with my eyes. Yeah. Um, I said, I, I also don't know where to put my body so when I'm speaking to you I don't know what to do with my hands I said so I sometimes come across a little bit awkward like that um and then he was like right okay he said so we've had all this information come through I'm here at the end of this I'll be able to give you an idea of whether we think you are on the spectrum or not okay so that was the we, we were going to have this this um, assessment and then at the end you would give me a good indication of whether I was on yeah. the spectrum or not so what was involved in the assessment so I was really nervous I thought it was going to be set up with certain questions and and it wasn't it was just a very informal chat he was very knowledgeable about women on the spectrum okay um so he would ask me a question and, and actually it brought up a lot of things that I didn't even realize were autistic traits within myself for example um I didn't think I had very many routines mm-hmm. um I do I have my own routines that I do every day but there's a lot of other things. So I was telling him about, um, I'd, I can't remember what we called it. We did some videos about social interaction and how I have scripts in my head. Yeah, um, it was so, the social confidence series, wasn't it? Exactly, yes. I started telling him about how I have scripts in my head. So if I meet a woman at the bus stop, I know what I'm going to say to her. If mm-hmm. it's hairdressers, I know that in the hairdressers you talk about holidays and that kind of thing. So I've got all these scripts in my head and he says, you do realise that they're routines that you've created to enable mm-hmm. yourself to get through life. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of them. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? So much more of an informal chat because I always thought an assessment would be like physically doing things or completing things or, you know what I mean? Yeah. See, when I went in, I took my friend Helen, who is diagnosed already. Mm-hmm. So, when we went in and we actually got down to, to talking, he said, I'm going to ask you these questions. And, and he did. And, you know, we evolved into different things. But he was really interested 
in our opinions on things. I think he mm. got as much out of this assessment as, as I did. Right. Because he wants to know more about women on the spectrum. Okay. Um, so he was asking us a lot of questions, and, and we, it was just like a general chat a lot of the time. Wow. So it was really, really nice. Yeah, sounds like you got a good one. Yeah, it was nice because, yeah, because it wasn't him assessing me. He was trying to also understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, so get to the end of the appointment, and what did he say? Didn't even get to the end of the appointment. Fifteen minutes in, mm-hmm. he said, I can tell you now, Lorraine, that you are autistic. And so in that moment, when he said that, what feelings did you have? I was really happy. Yeah. Because I was worried. I was really nervous to be told, but I wasn't because then I'd put so much into it. Yeah. And then if I wasn't, then what was I? What would I be? Yeah. Because I knew, I knew that I was autistic. But what if, yeah. what if a real person that's qualified to tell you tells you that you're not? So to then, yeah. then be told 15 minutes into the appointment, which actually I was waiting to the end of the appointment to be given an indication. Yeah. Really, really nice. So, wow. So, at that point, did the appointment end? Was that job done or no? Did it continue? Continued, continued. He, he just, you know, he said, I can tell you now that you, you definitely you definitely are. But obviously, he had certain things that he had to put into his computer because he was typing while we went along. So, he had to answer certain questions. And I've got to go back. I've got another appointment on Monday just mm-hmm. um, for other medical histories and things. So, I haven't got the confirmed diagnosis yet. I think I get that on Monday. Okay. But, but yeah, he's at the end of the appointment, he was like, you're Lorraine, you've got Lorraineisms, but you're Lorraine with autism. And then and then I laughed and said, you do know you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say I'm autistic Lorraine. Yeah. Because I thought it was important because uh, obviously being a psychologist, I wanted to explain to him how the autistic community feel about first-person language. Yeah. So we had a conversation about that, which was nice. And that's what was really good. He wanted to know more about that. That's brilliant. And you don't mind people making mistakes like that. If no. they're willing to learn and willing to take it on yeah and that's it and that's what he was he kept asking us lots of questions so that if he was doing this again he would have much more knowledge brilliant we need more people like him definitely that's really good okay well we'll take a quick break and when we come back i want to talk about how how it's affected things since knowing although you knew but having that rubber stamp if you like we'll be back in a minute Throughout August, you can get 10% off our jazz pendants throughout the world. Go to Chewy Gem USA, Chewy Gem Canada or Chewy Gem UK to get that deal. Also this month, we've got loads of back to school content on our main Facebook page. Go and check that out. Now back to the podcast. Okay, welcome back. So, Lorraine, we've got to the point where she's been to her assessment, she's been told she's definitely on on the spectrum, and she's feeling so happy. So, from there then, what what kind of happened next? What feelings did you have? How did you tell people? How did people react? How has it changed things for you, if it has changed things? Um, So, I took my friend with me to the assessment, and it worked out really well because we were going away for the weekend. Uh-huh. Um, so so from the assessment, we went to our hotel and had a pint to celebrate. Nice. Um, it was a nice moment between me and Helen, I think, because we're both on the spectrum. Because that was a lot of the questions that the psychologist was asking. Um, 
it was like about eye contact and I said I I can give eye contact to Helen and she mm-hmm. eye contact to me because we understand each other it's the same with both of my kids they can't give people eye contact but they can give eye contact to me it's just yeah. feel comfortable around other autistic people yeah so yes yeah, so it was really like a, a celebration for me and Helen especially with yeah. being away um, Dean rang me straight away wanting to know and he was pleased for me because we've been through a lot of emotions as a couple over this yes yeah so he he was pleased for you as well yeah he didn't want originally he didn't want me to pursue the diagnosis and why was that i don't think he wanted another autistic person in the house yeah i think it was easier just to bury his head in the sand yeah and the crazy thing about that is that the the still was whether you get the, the the diagnosis or not you know what I mean? Yeah, and accepting that I am has made mm-hmm. things so much better between us. Really? Yeah. That's brilliant. So what's changed there? It's just much more understanding. So I didn't realise how many sensory issues I had until I went for this appointment. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just he understands why I do things that I do, and he accepts them, and we can talk about them now, where before we would argue about them. Right, okay. Um. Yeah, it's just... It's Can you give me an example of something that you might have argued over now that he's more accepting of? Yeah, so I don't like to be touched. So if I'm in the kitchen, he'll come and... Mm-hmm. He's a cuddler, so he'll, he'll come and like just grab me from behind and cuddle me. Yeah. And I freak out, and I'm like, get off, get off. Uh, yeah. And I hate it. So then that would cause an argument. It's like, oh, you never let me hug you. You don't love me. You know, that kind of thing. And now he's like... I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to, I should have asked you first, is it okay if I give you a, a cuddle? Yeah. Um, and that's how it's changed and the dynamics have changed and it, it makes our relationship much better. Fantastic, really good. And and so we've touched on, you know, the, the, the fear that you had of telling people in the main was absolutely brilliant, everyone very supportive and very happy for you. Yeah. Um, and family all very supportive and happy for you. Yeah, I haven't. I don't really see much of my family, to be honest. So I haven't seen many people to tell them. I've messaged a few people. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the people that I have seen is my auntie. Right. And I, when I thought she would be one of the people that I told, but she was like, nah, I don't think so. But she went, good for you. Yeah, And I thought, good. Oh, yeah, because she's an older generation. Yes. Yeah. Good. Okay, so then also in the mix of all of this, You've got Joe. So, what happened there? Uh, so, I always thought when Joe was younger that he was autistic, but I had the thing where is he just copying Jamie? Mm-hmm. So, I didn't want to jump into it and do anything if it was just learned behaviour. Yeah. Um, so, sometimes I would say to my mum, Do you think he's autistic? And it'd be like, Yeah. And then sometimes he'd be like, No. So, for a while, I just kind of left it and parented him in a way that I thought was best. Mm-hmm. And at primary school, that was fine because the classes were small and it was enjoyable and, and he had no issues with school. And then when he went mm. to secondary school, it all kind of blew up. Which is common, isn't it? Yeah. But then thinking back, he actually used to blow up after primary. So he'd go to primary school, he'd be great at school, then he'd come home and let it all out. Yeah. So he'd obviously be masking all day at school and then come home, but... I used to say, well, I don't mind if he takes it out on me, but he's good at school. Yeah. That's what I used to think. But obviously, secondary school is a whole different ball game. Yes. So again, with him, when did you make the decision together that you were going to look at this? 
it took a while because at first he didn't want a diagnosis. He didn't think, I think he, he didn't think it was cool or something maybe Yeah. to do something like that. And then things just gradually got worse and worse at school with his anxieties. And he said, I, I want to know if that's the reason that I'm like this. And if, if I can get a diagnosis, if it will help me. So I kept going in for meetings at school and I thought, if I tell them that I think he's on the spectrum, they're going to tell me that, no, he's not, because he's such a good pupil and he does all his work and blah, blah, blah. But the meeting I went into, his head of year was like, yep, I can totally see that. And she started explaining that he's on the outside of groups, he's, he keeps himself to himself, all these different things yeah. that I didn't expect her to come out with. Yeah. Um, and she said, if I was you, I would get him referred. So I made an appointment with the GP. Uh Again, expecting the GP to say, no, I don't think so, because we, we had that with Jamie. Yeah. Uh, went to see the GP, and she was amazing. She sat him down and she said, you, you do realise this doesn't change you as a person. It's just a different way of thinking. She was brilliant. Um, Fantastic. And then the referral went in. Yeah. I know why things have happened so quickly, I think, with, with Joe, because we've, mm -hmm. we've, ha we've got the same paediatrician you know, we've had this paediatrician for 10 years. Yeah. As our family inside out. So I yeah. think we've kind of been rushed through a bit. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then how how's Joe feeling having got his confirmed? Um. Well, I told him and he said, well, I'm no different today than I was yesterday. But it's good to know. <laughs> good, good man. Um, and, and so... How have things changed in terms of life for you and Joe now having had these diagnoses in terms of, has it helped with support or anything else? I think me and Joe, because it's a, we're both going through it at a similar time, we're able to talk about it and explore it. Mm -hmm. um, so we talk about meltdowns and things that before people have said we've had a tantrum or we've overreacted or something and we're looking back over things together and saying, oh, can you remember when you did that? Remember when you did that? Actually, this is why. Mm. Uh, and then we're like trying to go into our feelings, how we felt at the time, so that mm -hmm. in the future we can try and avoid things like that. Yeah, so that makes sense. But within that, how do you identify, because every human on the planet has tantrums, for want of a better word. We, we get stressed out, we get a bit narky with people, whatever else, and you snap at them or... Um, behave not in the in the right way. So how do you differentiate when that's happening and it's just that, and when it's a meltdown? I don't know if I know exactly at the time mm -hmm. or afterwards. Yeah. Afterwards, I know if I've overreacted, and then I'll I'll be apologetic. Yes. Um. Most of my meltdowns are caused by Dean. Um. And I'm not apologetic to him afterwards because he's very needy. He's like a third child. Yeah. Uh, and he torments me. Right. Um, and I, he knows he knows exactly what he's doing, and he thinks it's funny. Right. But a lot of my meltdowns are caused by him, and I can feel it. It starts in my feet, and it comes right up through my body. Yeah. And I, I say, Dean, stop. You need to stop. You need to leave me alone. I'll try and take myself away from the situation. But sometimes he doesn't stop, and that's when. And then afterwards, I'm like, no, I'm not going to apologise for that because you caused it. Yeah, fair enough. So the thing that I think is really interesting about your family mix, um, which I want to explore before we finish up this chat, is that you're not typical in 
how people understand how autism can present. So you've always said, Jamie presents like a boy, Joe presents like a girl. So talk to me about that, because I think that blows open the whole myth that girls present this way and boys present that way. And I think we have moved on a lot from that. People are getting an understanding that it's not about a certain gender presenting in a certain way. It's just about that individual's autism. Um, So, yeah, talk to me about that. So I don't know if, again, if it's sensory related, because for Jamie, going into school and the noise and the the chaos was just too much for her. Mm -hmm. Um. So she couldn't cope in school and she couldn't mask. There was no way she was going to mask because it was just mm-hmm. all too much. So I don't know if it's sensory related in that way, but Jamie comes across pretty obvious, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Because I, when people say, oh, you don't look autistic, of course yeah. Jamie doesn't look autistic. But if you have a conversation with Jamie, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, and even if you watched her from the, the sidelines. Yeah just observed how her mannerisms and and the way she interacts with the world you, yeah. you can see it yeah and that's so obviously that's how people say that boys are and that's why my yeah. more boys are diagnosed than girls so yes because yeah it's less hidden isn't it yeah whereas joe wasn't like that not joe masked and kept everything inside and then would explode at home like i said before uh, yeah. So it's difficult because actually the paediatrician, when we went for his first assessment with the paediatrician, she was worried that s- the school rapport would not reflect what she'd seen in him. Right. Because of masking, she said, what what you might find is when the school report comes back, it might not mirror what I've just told you because in school he conforms. Yeah. She was very aware of that. But as it happened, the, the school report did mirror what she'd said. Right. Obviously, that means that they understand masking, which is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, you know, I just it's just mind blowing that when you think of the journey, it's just quite mind blowing how it's evolved and fascinating. Um, so any kind of takeaways that you would give people based on your own experience? Um, one thing that I think is. Without Chewy Gem, none of this would have happened. Right. So, yes, Jamie would have been diagnosed because Jamie was diagnosed. We were already going through that. But if if we didn't have Chewy Gem and I wasn't here working with all these amazing people and the community and learning everything, because every day you learn something new. Yes. I would never have understood autism like I do now. And I would never have understood sensory difficulties like I do now. So I n- probably never would have seen it in myself. Yeah. Not properly, not enough to want to. Yeah, and I wonder how many people are like that. Yeah, and that's not. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think there's pe- probably parents out there, but the, there's no push for them because they're not hundred percent sure they might have an inkling. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there might be parents out there who've got a second child and they think it's learnt behaviour, but for me, I was more concerned about Jamie because Jamie's difficulties were more heightened than Joe's at first. So mm-hmm. more into getting her sorted than him. And that sounds awful, but it's, it's just how, how it works. So when he yeah. wasn't having difficulties, I didn't feel the need to go and pursue anything. Obviously, when he started to have difficulties, then I knew I was going to have to fight and get something sorted. So that's the next step with him is getting things sorted in school. Yeah. So what needs to happen there? 
Um, he just needs some emotional and social support, really. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think he's going to need one-to-one support for lessons. He's very academic. Yeah. He can cope in mainstream, but he needs that social and emotional support and some adaptations with learning, and then he'll be fine, I think. Yeah. Good. Good. And how how's, um Jamie reacted to going from just her to the three of you? She said we've <laughs> we've never been a neurotypical family. She said even without the diagnosis uh, for anybody, she said our family is completely neurodiverse. Yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, well, it's been fascinating, and the thing that I absolutely love about you, Lorraine, is just your willingness for the good of everybody out there to to be open and share this. Um, and I think that's really important because I think through that it just helps other people have the confidence to do the same, and then through that understanding the acceptance grows well um, now that you've said that one of the reasons that i told the psychologist that i wanted my diagnosis was in the future if they want to look further into genetics then if three of us are diagnosed i would be willing to help with any studies yeah but without a diagnosis they wouldn't approach us so that was one of the things that i said if if they wanted to do some studies then i would be more than happy to get involved yeah brilliant really good fab so yeah, a, a positive a positive end to your journey. You've you've got what you wanted. You kind of feel mentally that you understand yourself better, and and therefore, you know, you haven't got to think what's what's going on. You just know, and that must give you a tremendous feeling of release and power that you're in control of things and you can get on. Yeah, definitely. Really good. Okay, brilliant. Well, um, that's it for this week. We will be back next week. So hope you've enjoyed listening to Lorraine's journey and we'll see you all again soon. Bye. Well, that's it for this week. And thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five-star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available, why not hit subscribe? and that way you'll never miss us. Finally, if you're not already a member of our fantastic Facebook support group, I suggest you go join it. We'd love to see you in there. There's loads of fantastic chat, lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you. So go and search on Facebook for the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes. Speak to you then. Bye.